Section 7 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Randall. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 2, Part 5. My friend was at home. Countess Lori Griesbach was in more than one respect the sharer of my lot. A general's daughter like me married for only a short time to an officer like me, and, like me, a grass widow. In one thing, she went beyond me. She had not only a husband, but two brothers also at the war. But Lori was not of an apprehensive nature. She was fully persuaded that her dear ones were under the peculiar protection of a saint whom she highly venerated and she counted confidently on their return. She received me with open arms. Ah, God bless you, Martha. It is indeed good of you to come and see me. But how pale and worn you are looking. You have not had any bad news from the seat of war? No, thank God. But the whole thing is so sad. Ah, yes, you mean the defeat? But you must not think too much of that. The next news may announce a victory. Whether we conquer or are conquered, War is in itself dreadful altogether. Would it not be better if there could be nothing of the kind? Then what would be the good of soldiers? What indeed, I assented. Then there would be none. What nonsense you are talking. That would be a nice state of things. Nothing but civilians. It makes me shudder. Happily, that is impossible. Impossible? Yes, you must be right. I will believe so. Or else I could not conceive that it would not long since have happened. What happened? The abolition of war. But no, I might as well talk of the abolition of earthquakes. I don't know what you mean. As far as I am concerned, I am glad this war has broken out, because I hope that my Louis will distinguish himself. And for my brothers, too, it is a good thing. Promotion has been going on so slowly. Now they have at least a chance. Have you had any news lately? I interrupted. Are your relatives all well? No, not for a pretty long time now. But, you know, the postal service is often interrupted. And when people are tired out with a hot march or a battle, they have not much taste for writing. I am quite easy. Both Louis and my brothers were blessed amulets. Mama hung them on herself. What would you expect to happen, Lori, in a war in which every man in both armies wore an amulet? If the bullets were flying on both sides, would they retire back into the clouds and do no harm? I do not understand you. You are so lukewarm in faith. Your Aunt Mary often laments about it to me. Why do you not answer my question? Because it involves a sneer at a thing which to me is sacred. Sneer, oh no, only a reasonable reflection. But you must know that it is a sin to entrust your own reason with the power of judging in things which are above us. Well, I have done, Laurie. You may be right. Reflection and research are of no use. For some time, all kinds of doubts have risen within me about my most ancient convictions, and I find only pain from them. If I were to lose the conviction that it was a necessity and a good thing to begin this war, I should never be able to forgive him who... You mean Louis Napoleon. What an intriguer he is. Whether he or another, I should like to remain in the undisturbed belief 
that there are no men at all who have caused the war, but that it broke out of itself, broke out like a nervous fever, like the eruption of Vesuvius. How excited you get, my love, but let us speak reasonably, so listen to me. In a short time, the war will be over and our husbands will come back captains. I will then try to get mine to obtain four or six weeks' leave and take a trip with me to a watering place. It will do him good after all the fatigues he will have undergone, and me also after the heat and the ennui and the anxiety I have undergone. For you must not think that I have no fear at all. It may be God's will after all that one of my dear ones should meet with a soldier's death, and even though it is a noble, enviable death on the field of honor for emperor and fatherland. Why, you are speaking just like one of the proclamations to the army. Yet it would be frightful, poor mamma, if anything was to happen to Gustav or Carl. Don't let us talk about it. And so, to refresh us after all our terror, it would be good to have a gay season at a watering place. I should prefer Carlsbad. And I went there when I was a girl and amused myself amazingly. I too went to Marienbad. It was there I made Arnold's acquaintance. But why are we sitting here idle like this? Have you no linen at hand that we could tear into Sharpie? I was at the Patriotic Aid Association today, and there came in, who do you think? Here I was interrupted. A footman brought in a letter. From Gustav, cried Lori joyfully as she broke the seal. When she had read two lines, she gave a shriek. The paper fell out of her hand, and she threw herself on my neck. Lori... My poor dear, what is it? I cried, deeply moved. Your husband? Oh, God. Oh, God, she groaned. Read for yourself. I took the letter from the floor and began to read. I can reproduce the phraseology exactly, because afterwards I begged the letter from Lori to copy it into my diary. Read out loud, she said. I was not able to read it through. I did as she wished. Dear sister, Yesterday we had a hot combat. There must be a long list of casualties. In order that you, and in order that our poor mother, may not hear in that way of the misfortune, that you may be able to prepare her for it gradually. Tell her he is severely wounded. I write at once, my dear, to tell you that our brave brother Carl is of the number of the warriors who have died for their country. I interrupted my reading to embrace my friend. I had got so far she said gently. With tearful voice, I read on. Your husband is untouched, and so am I. Would that the enemy's bullet had hit me instead. I envy Carl, his hero's death. He fell at the beginning of the battle and did not know that this one again was lost. It is really too bitter. I saw him fall, for we were riding near each other. I jumped down at once to pick him up. Only one look, and he was dead. The bullet must have passed through his lungs or heart. It was a quick, painless death. How many others had to suffer for hours and to lie helpless on the field in the heat of the battle till death released them? It was a murderous day. More than a thousand corpses, friend and enemy, covered the battlefield. I recognized among the dead the faces of so many dear friends, and amongst others, there is poor. Here I had to turn the page. Poor Arnold Dotsky. I fell unconscious on the floor. End of chapter 2